Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Great Iron Blitz, right here on TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Google Cast, Player FM, uh, on iHeartRadio as well, and Indie Rap Radio, 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Wednesdays, as well as always on Block Talk Radio. Your host, Oscar Lopez here, episode 277 of Great Iron Blitz right here. We are ha- having a bombshell show today. Big guest coming up here in about 15 minutes in the No Joke Football Huddle. We are going to have Coach Dion Lee. Uh, famous legendary coach Dion Lee of the Las Vegas Showgirls, who is uh, actually uh, doing a new venture, and it's called Girls Football Association plus um, Premier Seven uh, Association. So we'll be talking about that in about 15 minutes. Then in about 40 minutes, we are going to have the CEO of the WNFC, Mr. Brian Sewell, who we calling in, kind of recap 2019, look forward to 2020 in terms of what's coming up. Obviously, preview uh, the Nine Cup. It's going to happen in Denver. And the playoffs coming up this weekend on June 13th and June 15th for the WNFC. And at the top of the hour at 10 and 7 Pacific, Olivia Kuan is going to be here uh, to talk about the Brick House documentary, a historic uh, documentary on the Houston uh, Hurricanes. Um, and she's going to be talking about that, about the project and how it's going and when we will be able to see it. On top of all that, we are going to be talking WFA playoffs. Uh, All-American list already announced for the WFA, so you can go to WFAProFootball.com, and you can get the list there as well. The WNFC also, All-Stars were announced, so you can go to the WNFC Facebook page, or you can go to w, uh, WNFCFootball.com as well. So a lot of athletes that were chosen for outstanding work throughout the season. We still have more season to go for some athletes here. Uh, everybody will be con- uh, invading Denver at some point in June, and it's going to be pretty exciting. So June 15th for the WFA kicks off the three division uh, matchups. And then June 29th, the only exception, which is the bye, uh, DC and Boston will meet on June 29th. Everybody else on June 15th. It gets critical in this time of year because of Massey. So if you're not at Club Burmy, you need to go to Club Burmy, kind of voice your discomfort, your joy, your happiness, or how crappy Massey would be to your team and everything else. So it's really a, kind of like a perspective, I guess, uh, given the fact that there's some teams that deserve to be there, South Oregon, Lady Gades. Uh, there's a couple teams that maybe come to mind but didn't get in because of what Massey does with strength of schedule and the equation. But we do get the Kansas City Titans who are one and six that do make the playoffs. So it kind of just blows your mind in a way as to how is this working out. And if the schedule works out, your forfeits count against you, uh, uh, any of that, those factors. So if you want to kind of gripe about everything, you guys can certainly join us over at Club Birmingham on Facebook. And uh, we're having a good time there as well, kind of dissecting what happens with the Massey ratings at the end of the year. Almost every year it happens. Uh, we have some sad news to report as unfortunately – uh, the Indian, uh, uh, the Inland Empire Ravens, uh, unfortunately lost their coach, uh, Wilford Coach Will Delgado, in an accident. 
Uh, our condolences and prayers go out to the Ravens family out there and the coach's family. Um, it's just uh, not a good situation here. Um, apparently it happened after the victory for the inline um, empire team. And uh, so, like I said, our condolences and prayers go out to the family uh, information regarding coach Will's services. Um, you guys can uh, go on Facebook at inland empire Ravens and message them. And if you're in the local area, I uh, encourage you to go there and support uh, the team, obviously in this uh, situation that they uh, were brought into. Um, so hopefully, uh, you know, everything will work out and uh, we'll have peace and mind. And remember Coach Will for everything that he contributed to the sport, including the team and those players that are obviously impacted by his coaching. And so we'll look forward to um, obviously uh, brighter days coming for the family as well and the team for the 2020 season. So Coach Will um, Delgado passes away um, of the inline empire. So um, condolences out there to the team. Um, we're going to have a big show, like I said, coming up here. We're not going to have our panel today. Our panel is off. As you well know, Holly Custis is playing with the Seattle Majestics, which is in the WNFC playoffs, and they're going to take on um, the San Diego Surge on, uh, on the Pacific Conference starting on game one, June 13th. And then you have Mackenzie Brooks, whose her season just ended as well. So she's probably just resting up and fueling up, and she should be here probably next week or the week after, kind of chiming in with us. Uh, Troy Wilson couldn't make it today this week. Kind of busy schedule for him at this point. And then uh, Luis Bean also in playoff mode with Utah Falcons as they get ready to take on the uh, Los Angeles Bobcats over at the Pacific Conference. So big games coming up here for the playoffs, including international action that we haven't even talked about. So congratulations to LaFi, the championship of LaFi, the 11-11 uh, champions out in LaFi. The Mirror Jets uh, defeat the Vikingas 9-0. You can go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. Get all the details there. It is your source, your number one source globally for everything that's happening in the women's game. Our network is the largest network on the planet. And we do a great job of bringing you everything that's happening in the women's game from video stills. And check out all the cool videos this week on our at the Hub. You got Cassandra Bills of the IWFA. You got uh, uh, Orlando Anarchy player out there, Raska, Raska uh, Bethencourt as well. Um, and just a lot of videos out there. So check it out and kind of like them, share them, post, comment. Really appreciate it. Uh, just go to the Hub keeping tabs every week and you'll see all the action that's happening internationally as well. We haven't talked about Finland yet or Germany. There's a couple games going on this season as well. So stay up to date at the hub at facebook.com forward slash grand beauties. Also note, we have a 25% off sale at the Zazzle shop. Zazzle's our sponsor. They've been sponsoring us for over six years. And so uh, go to zazzle.com forward slash grand beauties at the, at the no joke fall shop. And you can save up to 25% off on everything, tees, hoodies, leggings. Uh, use the code MADEWLOVEZAZ. M-A-D-E-W-L-O-V-E-Z-A-Z. Save 25% off up to the uh, June 12th. So check it out and support the cause and uh, help us out. So let's go into detail here in terms of the playoff picture before we bring in Coach Dion Lee here. Um, WFA playoffs, All-American list, like I said, all announced already. You can go to WFAProFootball.com. You can go to the WFA uh, Women's uh, Football Association, um, uh, Women's Football Alliance on Facebook. 
and you can get the details there as well. They have the list and the link there as well. Uh, June 15th, Arlington Impact, a good season for them. They'll be taking on Kansas City Titans. Kansas City, probably the toughest schedule based on Massey and based on the WFA in 2019, and they got a win on the road uh, against um, in, in a Texas swing. Now they get to face Arlington, and so the, the two teams here really need to just muster up and see who's going to take it to another level in 2019. Kansas City played well so far this season, tough battles all the way around, very battle-tested. Liz Sowers at quarterback now, so it's a couple changes for them there. Um, and then you got the Portland Shockwave will be taking on Cali War. This is a rematch of earlier in the year, and with a good upset here would be for Shockwave to come in and uh, steal one versus Cali War. Otherwise, it's going to be a battle here. So Pacific, the Pacific Division One in terms of Tier 1 looks like Arlington against Kansas City Titans. It is the Portland Shockwave taking on Cali War. The winner will move on to June in the 29th it will either be one of those two teams or four teams and uh looks to me right now uh arlington probably the underdog at this point given uh kansas city's uh late uh momentum and then portland uh shockwave needs to make a statement here if they really want to get into a playoff mode this is the team to beat it would be the cali war angels uh cali war basically at this point used to be the Dark, uh, war angels but cali war is the team to beat. They want to make a statement this year in the WFA. If you're listening, Portland Shockwave, this is the the game that you can make a statement on the road, big time playoff, bounce off one of the top tier teams in the nation. Division two, June 15th as well, Minnesota Vixen taking on St. Louis Slam. This is a rematch as well. Big clash here between 2D teams, St. Louis, has steamrolled all season after coming back from a year off. Uh, Taylor Hay uh, and company there just moving it and keeping it going. Chelsea Vincent there as well. So it's just a matter of uh, can Jody Rolander and every and company out there, can they stop this uh, juggernaut that is the St. Louis Slam? So St. Louis rematch against Minnesota. We're looking forward to Town Square TV. Uh, get the link there so we can watch it. It's going to be a great clash. And who will move on, of course, uh, it looks to me the favorite here, obviously, St. Louis. We could see the underdog Minnesota step up and maybe shock us here and derail the slam successful season so far. So we'll see how it how it happens here. Houston Energy taking a mile high blaze. Houston, former IWFL champions of last year. Uh, they got a crown chip on the shoulders coming to the WFA. They've played their schedule correctly. They've won. They've earned it. Now they're going to have to prove here whether they're worthy of the IWFL championship crown in the WFA. It really boils down to that. My high just looks to kind of keep it going here after a loss last weekend. So it's something that they need to rebound from, kind of dust it off. They lost 63-12 to 12 to the Kansas City Titans. And like I said, Kansas City really momentum here for the playoffs for them. So my high is really a statement game for them. This is the opportunity that they've been wishing for all season. This is where they wanted to be. They wanted to be in a playoff position. Uh, shout out to our No Joke football supporter, uh, Smooth Lori Jones out there, and Sasha Cruz. And this is the moment. Can the Blaze deliver against a veteran squad like the Houston Energy, who obviously has tasted glory and championship in a previous league? So we'll look to see uh, the clash here. Can Houston go into Denver 
and derail the Blazers' season so far? Or will the Blaze make a statement here and move forward? So we're looking at that. The winner of these two matchups, obviously very contested here. Uh, Mile High has faced Minnesota before in the previous year. St. Louis, obviously, is a good front runner there. Houston, durable. So this is probably the uh, games to watch. Not that Tier 1 is, you know, you don't want to watch Tier 1. But, yeah, Minnesota, St. Louis, Houston, Mile High, probably a statement game here. Then we move east, which is the New York Wolves taking on the Pittsburgh Passion, sort of an East Eastern Conference clash here. Pittsburgh, really strong late, late charge here. Uh, Kozo and company really making a push here. And then uh, New York really make, trying to make a statement here. Um, so we'll see how the Wolves rebound after they were the Sharks last year. Now they're the Wolves. They're back in the playoffs. So congratulations to the coaching staff there to kind of rebuild, rebrand, and get New York back on the map here in terms of a playoff mode. Um, Columbus Comets looking to face the Detroit Dark Angels. Angels have slipped off in the last uh, two weeks here. Uh, after D.C., you got Columbus Comets 40-16 to 16 last week. Uh, they lose. It is a crucial matchup here for Detroit. It is something that they got to muster up. Uh, they got to come back. It's a rubber match. They really need to make a statement here if they really want to make uh, a road here. So it's at home. They really uh, need to muster up. Can the Angels, can the Angels defeat the Comets in a primetime match? affair here because Columbus played really well against DC. They played their season really well as well. And the 40 to 16 burner shows offense really good and defense stable. So Columbus really wants to be at another level. They will either face at this point, the underdogs would have to be Detroit, even though Detroit's played pretty well, given the last two weeks of their, uh, of how they played. So um, the favorites obviously should be the comments here, but it's going to be Detroit at this point who's going to be the underdog. And then New York comes in as an underdog because Pittsburgh's on a real high here. So we'll look and see how that works out. Um, the winner moves on June 29th in terms of who's going to face who. Division three, the Battle of Mississippi, the Panthers against the Royalty. Should be a good battle here. It's been going on for all season. Now it's the moment. Which team out of Mississippi is going to represent the WFA and the best in the WFA for Mississippi? Sin City taking on Nevada. Nevada uh, came in late prove their worth, defeated Sin City. Sin City was steamrolling up to a certain point, and now they face their nemesis in Nevada. Who will represent the real, who will be the best team in Nevada, basically, at this point? Sin City, uh, Trojans, or Nevada? So we will see how that turns out there. Uh, Maine Mayhem will uh, we'll take on Columbus Vanguards. Maine Mayhem versus Columbus Vanguards. Another uh, situation here where Maine's picked up some steam here. And Columbus, really uh, at home, would love to get this win and move on to the playoffs. Orlando will take on Derby City. Uh, it is a uh, situation where uh, the Music City uh, matchup did not happen. It was a Derby against Music City because of some issues with weather and stuff. And so at this point, Orlando gets to travel to Derby. Orlando, obviously, the defending D3 national champions. It's going to be a big battle, big hurdle for them. They're uh, kind of injury-ridden as well. Uh, Derby has played really durable football all season, so we'll see how that pans out and see how that's going to turn out. Division one, June 29th, after the June 15th uh, games happened, June 29th, uh, the clash that we've all been waiting for, which is the, probably the biggest rivalry 
in women's football, which is the D.C. Divas taking on the Boston Renegades. D.C. against Boston Renegades. So we'll see uh, how that transpires or figured it out. So we're going to dive into the WNFC right now and just kind of figure out, you know, what the status is going to be for the WNFC here in terms of how many, um, who's going to get in, who's going to get out. The WNFC, WNFC starts Thursday, June 13th, and that's going to be game one at 4 o'clock, and that's going to be Nebraska against Atlanta. And so uh, it's going to be a great matchup. Um, the Nebraska um, Nighthawks really have played well. Now they get to face uh, the Atlanta Phoenix. And so it's a situation where who's going to be the better team going forward. Um, Nebraska has played very durable ball all season. They've, they've been contested by the Texas Elite Spartans uh, against Utah, um, all those uh, hard top teams. They've uh, rebuilt. They're actually lower rostered, as, as, as I heard before. So we'll see exactly how um, this Nebraska team is going to mold out. And then game two is going to be Alabama versus Texas. So Alabama will be taking on the Texas Elite Spartans. It's a big clash here for Alabama. Uh, it's a big moment for them as well. They're taking on probably the best team in the WNFC all season. Can they stay toe-to-toe or even compete? Because they are underdogs. They were, this is truly the underdog stage. And so it's going to be kind of exciting to see how they ma- uh, match up against the Texas Elite Spartans, probably the best team, number one rank all season. Um, the other Pacific Conference, Seattle, Majest- uh, Seattle Majestics will be taking on the San Diego Surge, a clash of former uh, teams that have clashed all season. This is their third matchup. It is who wants it more. Seattle has owned this uh, series here, and so uh, San Diego really out to prove that they are the better team uh, given uh, everything that's happened. L.A. against Utah, kind of lopsided here if you look at it on paper. But can the Bobcats make it a contest against Utah? Utah, the same. They've played really good, but are they the Utah of old? So we'll look into that. June 15th is where game one versus game two from the results of Thursday will happen. And then June 29th, the nine cup in Denver. So let's go into the No Joke Football Huddle, sponsored by Zazzle.com. You can go to Zazzle right now, save up to 25% off through June 12th. Uh, Use the code MADEWLOVEZAZ, MADEWLOVEZAZ, and get everything hoodies t-shirts, leggings. So let's uh, talk to the legendary coach, uh, Coach Dion Lee in the house. Coach Lee, how you doing? Yes, sir. I'm good. I'm good. How you doing? I'm doing great, Coach. How's, uh, how's the weather out there? It's kind of hot in Cali. It's like 106 out here. Yeah. It's actually cooler here in Vegas. It's about 95. We just got out the football field uh, about 30 minutes ago. So it, it was all right. I'm feeling it right now because this is California. We don't get 106, you know, at all. Probably get 70 out here. Oh. I'm over in Monterey, yeah, so I, you know, Carmel, Monterey is kind of coastal. So definitely, I'm part of. The, I'm I'm from the South Bay, Long Beach area, so I, I understand exactly what you're talking about. All right, Coach. Uh, kind of exciting playoffs. Let's just start there before we go into the Girls Football Association that you're uh, going into. Kind of exciting. WNFC, uh, Riddell. We got uh, Adidas. Got hooked up here, mm-hmm. Odessa Jenkins, WNFC, uh, just a huge ride. You got a mobile platform, you got TV, everything, another level for women's football. We talked about it in the past, right? And you said, we got oh, yeah, to get to another level. We got to get, and all of a sudden, now we're another level. Well, I mean, that was part of the reason why I actually left, because there was no one that really wanted to go to the next level. They, they thought it was impossible. 
And, you know, you, you, you can't be the only one trying to climb the mountain. It's going to take, you know, everybody. And I'm glad to see the, you know, the new league come up and do the things they're doing and their partnership with Adidas. Cause I had a Adidas partnership when I was doing my blog talk radio four quarters with coach Lee. And, uh, and I saw some of the games and actually, I actually was a guest coach on three occasions for the Las Vegas uh, stars, uh, silver stars when they had home games, they invited me out. And, you know, once I got on the sideline, I started coaching and I'm like, man, you know, I miss it. It's a great uh, structure. It's a more business models minded. That's kind of what you had been preaching for a long time. And, and now mm-hmm. it's got some backing, big time sponsors. Um, I think they lived up oh, yeah. to their building this year uh, because of the platform that they used. you know, the TV kind of a red zone platform with uh, mobile capabilities uh, with a couple of mm-hmm. teams. So it really just enhanced the opportunity for fans to dive in and, and really, uh, watch a game if they can't be there live. So it worked out yeah, pretty it was, good. It, it was de- yeah, it was definitely impressive, man. I was, in, I was impressed, you know. I haven't attended a, a women's football game or seen a football game since 2014 was my last year uh, with the women's game. Um, you know, I went back and, and got my master's degree in sports administration and then to come back and see these wonderful things happening, it, it's just great. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping to, to piece together another piece to help elevate women's football, um, something I've been preaching about years ago is that you got to have a foundation. You know, women's football. Yeah, and we talked about a little. Yeah, go ahead. We talked about feeder systems, like in Manitoba, Canada, Utah. So, uh, talk, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about your girls' football association. What we're working with. Okay. Well, well, like I said, you know, my involvement in women's football, I always found that there was something wrong with the models that were out there. You know, we had a lot of adults playing football, but you had no young girls playing any type of football. And so your recruiting selection was kind of narrow-minded. You know what I'm saying? It's like whoever you can get off the street, come and play football because it's fun. And we all know that football is a serious sport, and at any given time, you know, a player can, you know, get hurt in their career, do some things. And, and it just wasn't enough women participating. And I'm I'm turning around, and I'm seeing some teams like the Utah Blitz, who's been around for a long time, you know, couldn't finish the season. A few other teams weren't able to finish the season because they just don't have the body. And, and and part of that is what we're doing here with the Girls Football Association is we're getting girls to participate in football. I don't care if it's tackle football. Uh, we're promoting flag because it's a lot easier for the school districts. Um, I've been part of one, two associations to get flag football sanctioned as a varsity sport here in Nevada and also in Alaska. I was a part of that. And the other one that's been around for 10 years is Florida, where they have over 300 schools participating in flag football up and down the coast of Florida. And you're talking about an average of 51 uh, girls in each high school program from JV, varsity, and freshman level. You know, that's a lot of young ladies playing football. Just here in Vegas, we have 40 schools that are it's a state-sanctioned sport and we average 51 girls per school. So we have 2,500 girls who play football uh, throughout a season. And so the Girls Football Association is all about um, promoting football and in, in, in challenging Title IX, being that football is the only sport that doesn't have a girl component. I mean, you can go to tennis, you'll find a boy and girl tennis golf, boy and girl golf track and field, boy and girl basketball. You name the sport, there's a boy and girl component with the exception of football. And so we're pushing real hard, myself and Carla Williams, uh, 
to get it sanctioned in each state. Coach Lee, is you it know, more of a cost issue? Do you think it's a cost issue? They wouldn't do that because what? of a cost issue? I'm well, talking about, you know, you know the cost. All, all sports have it. No, but what I'm saying is, is, yeah. it, is it more of a cost issue? Is that the barrier? Or is it just they don't no, want to have the a barrier? Well, the barrier to us has been that they didn't believe that girls wanted to play football, period. When I started football here, yeah, participate. They didn't think girls wanted to participate in it. So when I approached Clark County School District seven years ago, they said, well, no girl is interested because I was looking for a feeder program for the Las Vegas Showgirls. You know, I mm-hmm. needed to elevate the girls that wanted to play football and not wait till they're in college or after college to introduce them to football. And I went to them with my showgirls and, and showed them that, you know, girls play football. Well, women play football. It's the same equipment. It's not a cost issue. So they compromised and said, well, let's go with flag. And, and so I helped create some of the rules for the flag program. And the first year, we had over 100 girls per school try out for 20 spots. They couldn't believe it. And they gave each school $1,500 to, to start a varsity program. The next year, they started a JV program by donating another $1,500 per school for equipment. And in the last year, so it was a $4,500 over three-year commitment from the school district per school that created flag football. And like I said, right now, we're averaging about 55 girls per program at 40 schools, which makes us over 2,500 girls participating just here in the Las Vegas Valley. And Coach Lee, uh, is there different, the, is there different d- divisions and tiers? Are we talking like, you know, diff- the same as uh, high school, right? Junior, junior sophomore, uh, varsity, or is it just a uh, just junior varsity right now? Well, no, it's varsity. It's a varsity sanctioned sport. Varsity was first, then JV, then freshman. So there's three levels. That's what I mean. And, and yeah, we have three levels at each school, and then some schools are four A and some schools are three A based on okay. uh, enrollment you know, and what division they're in. So that's what they participate in. I, I just took my team to the state championship this past season, and we lost by one point with 43 yeah, seconds that. to go. And we, yeah, and we're averaging about 300 to 400 uh, fans per game, you know. So we're building it, you know. And this is what's needed at all high schools across the country. And this is going to help women's football. So we're advocates of girls playing football. And it's a membership-based organization. Uh, you can go to girlsfootballassociation.org. The website is has just launched uh, where we're actually taking membership. It's a, it's a yearly membership, annual membership, and it's basically to help the cause, to help spread the word. You know, as women's football, I just feel that we have to unite. You know, when I was coaching, I think I participated in three leagues, the WPFL, the IWFL, and then the WFA. And not at one point in time have any of those leagues got together for one common cause. And I think that this is something that all women who play football can get behind, either participating in being an advocate for girls to play football or being an, and or being a member because it's going to take money to market and promote and get associations and uh, like CIF San Diego has what? 500 schools. CIF Southern section has 750 schools. LA city school district, has 155 schools. I've talked to all three so, of those sections, and they so, all want to so, start flag football. So, the, is the national high school uh, associations are they buying into this? As you're showing no, the numbers, they, well, they haven't bought into it yet because there's no demand. 
You know, that okay. that's, National Federation is not going to jump on anything until there is a, a demand. You can look at Florida. Okay. There's 300 high schools in Florida. There's only 40 schools in Las Vegas because Nevada is like an empty state. It's just Nevada. I mean, it's Las Vegas and Reno. In between, there's nothing, you know, small towns. Sure. So there's no major um, major cities outside of Vegas and Reno. So, you know, we're a big mass of land, but not enough people populated in the area. So is this so, is this initiative more so to the metro areas is where we have to penetrate that to bring more awareness in that? I, that, no, I, I think it can be anywhere to their schools that have girls who play sports. You know, the largest sport right now being played is basketball because of that 18,000 schools, high schools across the country, be it, you know, Christian schools, sure. private schools, you know, big schools, small schools, but they still offer basketball. But basketball normally tops off at about 30 girls per program, where sure. football – you know, we have anywhere between 20 to 28 girls on a particular level, you know, be it mm-hmm. varsity, JV. So we can house somewhere around 70 girls. We're just looking at it. We just get 50, I mean, 10,000 schools to offer flag football. That's 500,000 girls across the United States who's playing football. That gives the women's football league teams a better opportunity to recruit. Because not all of those kids are going to college, you know what I'm saying? But they still want have to participate you, at 18. Coach, have you reached out to the WNFC or WFA? Because obviously they got teams in almost every market, so that makes sense for them to try to reach out to the local schools as well, well in terms of a, you know, that kind of I attitude. Just, I, I, I just got back into this, and I just put this together about eight weeks ago. So we had to put okay. the foundation down first. Um, you know, I did reach out to try to to uh, be an advocate at the championship game in Colorado on the 29th. I haven't heard back uh, uh, from the commissioner yet if they're going to allow us to come out there and promote, you know what I'm saying, and cross-promote. But it just makes sense. If the women yeah, yeah. want to flourish, you got to create a, a a a feeder program. Feeder and yep. then, yeah, you got you got to. You know, and you got to raise the demand of girls wanting to play. And what better way to do it then just be an advocate, but it also opens up jobs. The women who play sure. football in the spring can go and coach these flag football teams in the fall and also in the winter, whenever, you know, weather dictates and permits for these uh, schools and districts to, to do it. Now you got right. fan base. You got, oh, I didn't know coach played football. Oh, I, I played for, you know, the California Quake. I'm just throwing out a name, you know. Sure. And they didn't know that, and they were in Long Beach, you know what I'm saying? So imagine Long Beach, sure. Polly, Long Beach, Wilson, Long Beach, Jordan, and all the Long Beach schools in Lakewood find out that, you know, they can play football, and you got uh, almost 100 girls at each school. It just makes it so much better when they graduate. Hey, you can come out and play for us now, you know. So, Coach Lee, it's, we it's, have it's, successful it's programs in Utah with Sam Gordon mm-hmm. with the tackle side now. There's, there's a lot of inroads yep. being made in Utah, especially with the same mentality you have with the high school level with the, you know, different divisions and tiers and everything else. And then we also have the standard program that happened in Manitoba, over in Manitoba in Canada, which is probably the original mm-hmm. of the originals. And that's where the Western Canadian, Western women's Canadian football league gets their pool. Now, majority of them, like this year, the Manitoba fearless, uh, probably I want to say 80, 75 to 80% of the squad was from the Manitoba girls football association. So it's a feeder mm. system. So it yes, works out definitely. really well I mean- for them. So that's where they're getting the pull. That's that's to your point, right? It's just a you have to exactly. uh, make you have to make the uh, availability of talented athletes 
to elevate the, the next the game to the next level. Exactly. And we also talked to the NCAA about being a scholarship opportunity sport, be it flag football. Because Title IX sure. is very important in, in, in athletics. And they're wondering why. I'm gonna give you good some good numbers real quick. Okay, there's four point five million boys who play high school sports. Right? There's two point eight million girls who play sports. Okay? The biggest difference is the fact that boys play football. There's 1.5 million boys that play football, and let's say it might be 10,000 girls across the country, right, that plays football. So that's the biggest discrepancy. If you're able to, again, if we're at 10,000 schools, that's 500,000 more girls participating in sports, and that brings the numbers closer together now. Now you have 4.5 million boys playing, and you got 3.8 girls playing. You see what I'm saying? The numbers will start to increase for girls if the opportunity is there for them to play. And there's also a lot of benefits. There's plenty of benefits, Mm -hmm. right? Obesity gets tackled in that aspect of it as well. You got physical fitness that comes into play, right? Uh, You got, uh, what do you call that? Uh, Team teamwork, right? Adds up to it. Teamwork. You got team building. Tenacity uh, and and capabilities. So you you, uh, inspire, basically. Yeah, exactly. Confidence. Mm-hmm. So there's Double a lot of benefits team. to it. No different than the boys. No, no different than the boys' approach. It's the same concept. No different. Just, no. Different. Yeah, no different. We just got to come. We just got to come under one umbrella and say, hey, this is our cause. It doesn't matter what league you play. And I've been, I've been an advocate for women's sports since 2004. I never said what league is the best. I coached in the lingerie league. I've coached in, like I said, the WPFL, the IWFL, the WFA. Um, Try to start up an indoor arena football league, but again, just didn't get support from any league. And so my thing is, okay, after I've gone to school for two and a half years now, I got my master's, and every professor that I came to was like, you have the method of how to get this correct. You know, I've had ESPN contracts for programs, and everybody just, you know, steps back. I do this because I was, I was a a casualty of Title IX. My football career was ended because of Title IX at Cal State Long Beach. You know, sure. we dropped our football program. So here I am 28 years later. You know, when I was 21 years old, I was hating Title IX. Here I am now, 20, 29 years later, as an advocate. You know, I have four daughters and two sons, and all, all my daughters play sports. So, yes, I'm that father that says my daughter can play football, but I had coaches that girls don't play football, but I had to show them. And then we had to create this flag football league. So that's where I've been. I haven't been away from the women's game completely. I've just been coming at it at a different angle because you got to get sure. them in there younger. You know, I even sure. have an opportunity for any team out there. I, I know you, everybody listens to you, but we have a way to expand not only the high school version of seven on seven that we call it, we call it premier seven. So we, mm-hmm. we're doing youth programs for girls only. This Coming uh, August, August, September, we have 360 girls playing flag football uh, from 6U, 8U, 10U, 12U, 14U in a high school division. And that's during the off season for the high school. And we already have a commitment for 360 girls playing. That's good. Can that's you awesome. imagine that? Can you imagine oh, awesome. if, one, if, if one of the teams utilize all their players as referees and coaches and found a location in their town and ran a youth program. Not only is that a fundraiser for your group, 
It's also your fan base. It's also your recruiting base. It's everything that you could ever want, you know, but we got to get people on the same page and understand it's, it's for the main reason. It's for the cause, the cause is to get girls to play. And eventually they play, they'll become tackle football players later. You know, because that was the biggest issue I know this, about football. The skill set, the skill set is there uh, in flag, and it's a, a lot easier to coach when they get to the next level and tackle. You know what I mean? Cause yeah, because everything else has been fundamentally sound. It's all about football IQ. You'll get that yeah. without being, without tackling. You'll know how to right. angles. You'll know how to catch. You know how to run routes. You understand the defense. You know, the only thing that we're missing in the seven-on-seven version is true linemen. But sure. it's set up where people rush and people block because it is uh, semi-contact. So you do have some of the girls who would be normal linemen that do participate, you know. And it's a great, exciting version of the game, um, and, we're, and we're promoting it. So the girls' football association is the advocacy program that we need membership. It should not be one reason if you play football as an adult, no reason why you shouldn't support a nonprofit organization who is promoting and fighting for girls to play football in high school. And if you're a football team and you need funds, like I said, I have a master plan to help you raise anywhere between fifteen to twenty five thousand bucks just volunteering for eight weeks to conduct your own football league. But so again, um, you, you got any strong. major any major sponsors that, you know, uh, major retailers, uh, you know, you got, you know, a lot of stuff out there, exporting goods, you got much oh, other yeah, retailers yeah, yeah. out there, things like that. I mean, well, they, the they all do community-based things and all, everything else for sponsorships. So uh, there's a lot of uh, opportunity is what I'm trying to say. Well, I'm definitely an opportunist when it comes to sponsorship. I'm, I'm probably one of the few owners who actually had quite a few sponsors, owned a bus, all that other good stuff. So, yes, we do have some – some uh, sponsors on the table, but again, we're local. You know what I'm saying? We're in one, we're in one sure, city. Right. This, this is where I'm coming out and reaching out to all these teams as the season's ending. Your budget is dwindling. So most of you guys are in the hole because you don't have a contingency plan. Now it's time to get that contingency plan going, and let's find out what Coach Lee has to say and has to offer. Because the thing sure. about it, if we're going to do it, it's got to come under one name. We can't have, you know – such and such football league and such and such football league and such and such football league. It has to come under the banner of premier seven football because that's the avenue that everybody needs to drive. You know, that's been the right. issue with women's football. There's been too many leagues, plenty of teams, broken puzzle. but not enough support. Yes. Yeah. The broken puzzle. So, I know we've, we've talked yeah. about it at exhaustion <laughs> in the past. And uh, mm-hmm. so, but you know, you're doing great things, coach. I wanted to bring you on and also, kind of give you the platform on it so you can always uh chime okay. in if you want to just give us an update you know every 90 days every six months definitely or whenever you get the news going um you're welcome well, to come on here um you've been very uh humble to me in the past as well uh interviewing mm-hmm. myself and doing all the things that we needed to do for uh you know bringing awareness to the sport so uh, obviously a pioneer gotcha. or an advocate for women's football so can you give everybody the details of where they can go donate or participate yes. In both uh, yes, your yes, yes. Um, organizations? Yeah, we have two organizations. One's profit, one's nonprofit. Okay. The first one is Girls Football Association, spell it all out, dot org. That is the new website. It just launched. It fully launched on the first. We had some technical difficulties, but the membership base is up right now. Uh, the, the, 
the content is continuously going to be updated on a weekly basis, so it's going to be updated. But go to Girls Football, girlsfootballassociation.org, okay? If you need to reach out to me, email, you can go girlsfootballassociation at gmail.com, okay? And that's the nonprofit, and we need everybody to join, membership-based, to help get the word out that girls want to play football. Matter of fact, our slogan is her turn the ball is what we're rolling with right now. Okay. Now, if you're an organization, a football team that's in existence, that's, that's, that's new or whatever, and you really want to saturate your market, then you need to get under the banner of premier seven football. Okay. Premier seven football.com will be up. It's supposed to be up today, but it'll be up by this weekend. And that's going to show you our league here in Las Vegas, but we want to create these mini leagues in every town to have a women's football team because we need to build a fan base. That's the next thing. We got some good level football. Don't get me wrong. I've, I've known a lot of these players in the past, and they're doing wonderful things, but they are getting older. You got to start putting some freshness into to what you're doing. So we're here to do a 50-50 partnership uh, with the teams, and like I said, create anywhere between t- about fifteen to 25000 bucks for an eight-week season. If you do two eight-week seasons in a year, hey, that's forty to 50000 bucks that goes towards your women's football team and program. That cuts down travel, hotel, field costs, cuts down everything. If every owner out there had an extra 25000 bucks, and it's, and it's a fundraiser and it's that simple, they would do it. So we have the plan. We have the master plan. Uh, we're available on Zoom to talk to any and everybody who wants to get involved. And we're ready to roll this out for next spring, next summer. And we're doing the league this this um, summer, summer fall. And like I said, we do have backers behind us as far as apparel companies. But we got to put the locations in place. No different than the W, the WNFC. Is that right? Is that the right acronym? That's correct. Okay. Yeah, exactly what they did, you know. So um, Jenkins did a great job of getting that done. Doctor, uh, Doctor Jen involved in it. I mean, they have some great things, and I and I, I give them kudos. But you still got to build the infrastructure for the girls to play the game. You got to be an advocate, and it's real simple. Be a member of G, GFA, and then go talk to your local athletic director and say, hey, our girls are interested in playing flag football. It should be a sanctioned sport. You got to fight Title Nine issues. You got you got it for boys, but you don't have it for girls. What's the alternative for girls? You know, and that's how we get right. it going. And we just need All people right. to keep being advocates. So, uh, girlsfootballassociation.org, and then Premier Seven, yes. right? Dot com. Yeah, yeah. Premier Seven, the number seven, uh, football. Dot com. Okay, Coach Lee, thank you for coming in. I really appreciate it. Uh, we'll keep in touch. No, no problem. And then we'll end up posting everything else on uh, information. So the email one more time was girls football girls football association at gmail dot com. Correct. And then also premier seven at gmail dot com. Whatever program you're interested in, you know, just reach out and you can always give up my phone number as well, seven oh two seven six four eight eight seven eight. And I'll be more than welcome to speak to any and everybody about the great opportunities that girls football have to help women's football. Thank you. Uh thanks for coming in, coach. I really appreciate it. Um continued success out there and we'll be uh, keeping tabs as well thank you so much thank you so much and i'm back i'm glad i'm back with women's football so i'll see you guys around 
All right, Coach. Have a great night. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, guys, uh, Coach Dion Lee, legendary Coach Dion Lee uh, with the Las Vegas Showgirls and has coached in every facet of the game, arena, tackle, flag. It's a great initiative. Um, it's just a situation where it's a no-brainer. Uh, everybody needs to start at in order for us to create a viable uh, commodity and a viable product to the next level, whether it be for the WFA or the WNFC or any other uh, women's football league, you need to have a feeder system to this point. So what better way than to have girls participate in flag? Flag is going to be introductory. It's a uh, injury. It's a very low injury. And at the same time, it is very good skill set. And it gives them uh, good confidence. It builds up their skills. And maybe they're interested in going to tackle after that. So awesome job there. So you guys can um, check out the links at girlsfootballassociation.org or you can go to premier7football.com. So uh, let's go into the second huddle here. And we are going to have in the huddle, obviously, the WNFC CEO, Brian Sewell, calling from London, of all places, and late night. I really appreciate you making the time. Hey, Oscar. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Brian. How are you doing? Pretty good. Greetings from uh, merry old England this evening. Perfect. Um, Brian, successful, you would call the season right now? We're going into... The, the most important phase out of the whole swing here, which is obviously the playoffs. But up to this point, pretty successful, you think, uh, in terms of how everything's worked out. I'm pretty sure internally there were some kinks and other things that needed to be, you know, clarified at some point down the road. But we're, uh, we're what, uh, two steps to uh, the nine cup in Denver. Yeah, no, things have gone uh, very well. I mean, there's a lot of work involved. The, the WNFC staff is just uh, – miraculous they put so much time and effort in and, and you know there was a uh, quite a bit of I guess propaganda might be the word that uh, came out you know saying that we were making all these outrageous claims and nothing that we did could happen and it's all you know just a joke and you know the WNFC staff and all the players and, and teams and team ownership got together, and every single thing that we promised has been fulfilled. And then uh, more on top of that, I mean, going into the playoffs here, you've got Adidas has already contributed over a hundred thousand dollars worth of apparel that's going to be going to these players um, in the championship game. So, I mean, that wasn't even anything we talked about before the season. So I think we can see that, uh, you know, a lot of the things that were said were just simply not true. And, and uh, I think the season's gone extremely well. We're very pleased. And I think we're going to have some really good matchups going into the playoffs. And um, I'm excited to, uh, to watch. Uh, Brian, let's, let's talk about the first uh, this Thursday. Let's just go into detail because we have a lot of things but uh, before I go before I go into detail on that, um, the platform that a lot of fans raved on. So we got to sh- shout out to the San Diego Rebellion and the Atlanta Phoenix. Mm-hmm. The platform that a lot of fans like myself and everybody else raved on that was probably missing was the red zone television uh, format that you guys introduced uh, at the beginning of the season. So mm-hmm. you know where all fans couldn't be in the stands, mm-hmm. but they could watch it live. So have you got any feedback from the staff in terms of uh, was that beneficial? Has that increased your, uh, you know, your sponsorship uh, awareness? 
Has it increased awareness for fans and all that stuff? Was it because I well, thought it was pretty think, well done? Well, I think it was, I mean, you know, like anything technical, um, you know, OJ works in the tech field. I mean, you know, I run a, a, a finance company, so I'm surrounded by it every day. But anybody that works in technology realizes that, uh, you know, unfortunately the computer gets a say. And, um, you know, I think that there have been a couple of, uh, I think there have been a couple of times where the technology sometimes won. Um, but I think overall it went extremely well. We've got some teams that are a lot better at that than others. Um, the great thing about the WNFC is it's very much of a family environment. And the teams that are particularly strong in one area, and, and I think San Diego Rebellion did just do a fantastic job with their broadcast. Uh, Utah does a pretty good job. Texas Elite, you know, we're getting there. Um, Atlanta is fantastic. Um, you know, the Pumas uh, do a good job, and there are others. Um, but we're going to put our heads together in the off season, and, you know, um, really try to to emphasize the strengths and, and fill in the weaknesses. And I know it was very – I know it was very popular with a lot of people, and um, it went really well, but I think there's a lot of room to improve and a lot more uh, bringing players and, and – um, you know, more information to the fans during the broadcast. So it's just the tip of the iceberg. You're going to see a lot more next season. Now, uh, we have feedback. So I'll give you my feedback from the feedback that I got. The The website okay. was not very user-friendly. So a lot of people couldn't find the schedule pretty easily. Uh, the score updates weren't that, you know, uh, accessible besides our you know, score screen. Uh, so in, in terms of a layout and functionality and things like that, so we've had some, you know, I wouldn't say negative, but obviously feedback, how, how to improve it and make it better. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming that's something that's on, on the agenda for the next season as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the website is a good start. When you're trying to take a lot of this stuff and template it and make it to where it's uniform mm -hmm. across the board, um, that's not a that's not a easy project, and and the people working on the website have been going at it since long before the season, and you know in in this age you really are your website to a degree, and and social media, and those type of things, and uh, you know we'll we'll continue to enhance that, um, you know goodness knows there's been a few websites that haven't had great rollouts over the last five or ten years, so I don't think we're in that boat by ourselves, but. Um, no. You know, all those things need to be improved upon, and we have a tremendous amount of expertise in the league, but uh, it's something we're going to have to work on, and there's definitely a few glitches that need to be overcome, and uh, and we will. Awesome. Uh, so, Brian, let's go into uh, the Atlantic Conference here. Um, your, uh, your squad, Texas, taking on Alabama. We had fans going, hey, uh, the rankings, this is – this is what happened. Alabama should be playing Nebraska and ATL should be playing Texas based on, you know, the records and all that. So it was pretty clear at the beginning of the season, how the, how the uh, last voting was going to be. So it really works out either well, way. It's, uh, it's, one, four, it's one, four, two, three. So it, 
maybe people were thinking it'd be Atlanta, Alabama, and us versus sure. Nebraska. I think it wouldn't be us versus Atlanta. Sure. But it, but it mean, worked well, out to where – yeah, yeah. Go when ahead. you get down to the end of the season, I think um, what probably was the deciding factor was that Nebraska's strength of schedule. And I know that's kind of the taboo word that everybody hates. I know that's a big thing in Massey as well. But Nebraska's schedule was significantly stronger than Alabama's. I mean, Alabama only played one team in the top five, and Nebraska played two because they played Texas and Utah which are arguably the top two teams in the league. Uh, you know, Atlanta's obviously in there too. They're a fantastic squad. But I think that was probably the deciding factor. I think it's nice that we're actually going to not have repeats in the in the uh, playoffs. And, you know, we're very excited to play Alabama. They're a very significant team. Um, they're very different than Nebraska. And, I, you know, I imagine if you ask, Ladies on the field, uh, Nebraska's looking forward to playing somebody other than Texas and, and getting a shot at Atlanta as well. Yeah, it's going to be a great matchup. Uh, we talked about Nebraska on previous interviews as well, how they've molded their team. I know they were low rostered toward the end of the season here, but they're not giving up. This is their opportunity to be an underdog, uh, taking on number two, Atlanta. And then Alabama here is something to prove, right? I mean, you're going, taking up probably on the, the number one ranked team in the whole WNFC, so it's a big hurdle there as well. So really good uh, matchups in game one and game two. Yeah, I, I think so. I think they're going to be really – I think they're going to be really good games and interesting, and and um, I'm pretty pleased with how it worked out, and I think it's going to be it's going to be some good football for sure. All right. Uh, in the Pacific Coast, um, we have the, the rematch, which I think all season, if we think about uh, – the first inaugural season of this league, you can't not go back and say Seattle, San Diego surge made the WNFC for season one. This is like rivalry of rivalries. This has been the rivalry probably of the whole season. And I think that that rivalry was probably in place even before the WNFC because both of those franchises have been around for a long time, have very storied histories. Uh, they certainly have a few battles, I think, before the WNFC um, existed, and it's a reason why those are two of the founding members of the WNFC as well. I mean, those are those are teams that we worked with from the beginning. They were part of the best of the West with Utah for a reason, and um, I, I think probably the people in the Pacific were quite happy to see you know, sometimes you don't want to see third games, but I think this is probably a third game that everybody wanted to see. Oh, no, we want to see this. This is huge. You know, and then we got the tie. The throw, you throw in the tie on top of all that. <laughs> yeah, no and kidding. now you got – now you're playing for the – you know, to go to Denver. This is it. This is, you know, a, a, the whole game is, right? You go to, you go to uh, Seattle and you lose. You go to San Diego and you win. And then you tie and all this stuff. And now it's really for all the marbles. Who will muster it? Uh, it's Guidry, you know, uh, can she kind of shine here and bring back uh, the surge back to what they were prior to meeting Seattle? And then the Majestics really stepping up defensively. It's going to be a defensive battle against an offensive uh, powerhouse that San Diego can be if, if they, they go. So it's a, they, they know each other, in other words. Oh, yeah. Both they are very familiar with each other. Both coaching staffs are excellent. They're going to be well-prepared. Um 
you know, and and whoever manages to emerge from that clash uh, will certainly be ready for whoever they face out of L.A. and Utah. Now, Utah has kind of dropped off in a little bit since Best of the West in terms of rostering and personnel. Um, but it looks to me like late surge here. They've kind of stepped up again. Uh, Bo- uh, Los Angeles, really more of a defensive, low-scoring uh, squad. So, they, uh, you know, high-powered against Utah. The only scary part about that is if the Falcons get going here, Los Angeles only has their defense to really fall under because they don't really have an offensive you know, firepower like you have with the Texas Elite or Utah. So it's kind of, if you look at that matchup, kind of lopsided in a way. So we'll see if, if LA can prove us wrong. Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna not agree with you on the fact that Utah has dropped off anything. Uh, Utah and Rick and you know the group out there are as solid as any team has ever been in this sport. You can you know. Pick anyone that you want. Go back as far back as you want. They've been around for a long time. They're very solid. That's the kind of system, and Rick runs the kind of team where it's it's not really built around superstars. They have some tremendous players, but it's next man up mentality. And if you you know lose one to a move or you lose a player to an injury, uh, he's got five more ready to go. And that type of offense and that type of uh, philosophy that they run out there is is very conducive to that and and they do a lot with it so uh, you know obviously they didn't have probably their best day against the spartans but um you know i'd put them up against anybody else out there that's for sure they're they're an excellent team and they will be ready and there is no drop off in utah all right so um your message to la is Ready to battle? Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, I don't think I need to tell LA what to get ready for because I'm sure they're very well aware and and they're a very good team. They've got very different uh, skill set and talent set than Utah does, which should make it pretty interesting. Um, you know, you got to get that triple option off the field. That that's not an explosive offense. It's a grinded out offense, and they grind it out and they. They played the ball possession game extremely well. So, you know, if they're going to get – they're going to have to get Utah's offense off the field. And it can't every – you know, them getting Utah's offense off the field can't be with them being in the end zone every drive or it's going to be a long day. Yeah, it's going to be pretty awesome. Um, We have predictions from a couple fans, so I'll throw them out there for you. Uh, Looks to us like the favorites here are going to be – the underdog uh, Nebraska taking on Texas Elite is one prediction. The other one is ATL versus TSC hmm. one one more time. That's for the Atlantic matchups. There's two probables, but okay. a lot of fans on the Nebraska bandwagon to take on a, a takedown okay. ATL. So that's that's pretty interesting, right? Well, uh, a lot of hope for the Nighthawks. Atlanta. Atlanta hasn't been ranked in the top five all season for no reason. So um, I, I certainly think, you know, there's a reason they play the game any given Sunday. You know how it goes. Um, sure. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We certainly hope that the Spartans are going to be there on the other side. Uh, we've got to get through Alabama first. But um, I assure you that the Texas Elite will be ready. 
I All right. And then the other, the other side, uh, everybody is taking uh, Majestics against Utah. So everybody's mm-hmm. assuming it's going to be Majestics Utah. I know San Diego yes. probably is not going to agree with that, but either either yeah, way, it's going to be a great clash because if you get San Diego Utah, that's going to be awesome. If you get Seattle Utah, way awesome as well. So it's good. It's going to be a good matchup either way. I don't think that there's a bad scenario there. I just don't. Looking at it from the league perspective, and take my you know take my Spartan hat off and put my league hat on. There's just not a bad outcome there. All four of those teams are great. Um, I, you know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pick. Um, I get to be my diplomatic hat when I have my uh, my league hat on. Um, but but even if I didn't, you know, I don't know who to pick in in San Diego versus Seattle. I mean, that's you know, those have been dog fights of dog fights, and mm-hmm. you, know, you got to give maybe a little bit of an edge to Utah. But you know, whoever ends up being in that conference championship is going to be it's going to be a great game. It's it's really well the good, the good thing great football. The good thing is that we have excitement and we're talking about it. A lot of fans are excited. About Absolutely. It. So dog fight. In Southern California and over in Utah, we got a, probably another battle of battles. It is a huge opportunity for Los Angeles to take down one of the bigger and the best teams in the WNFC in, in the Utah Falcons. So it's going to be June 13th, this Thursday, uh, Atlantic Conference, Nebraska, ATL, Alabama, Texas Elite. And then it's going to be in the Pacific Conference, Seattle, Majestics versus San Diego Surge, and then L.A. Bobcats taking on Utah. Falcons. Um, Brian, before we let you go, any changes for 2020, all the stuff that all feedback, I'm pretty sure you guys are going to have this right after the, the nine cup. There's a lot of other, uh, a lot of work to be done obviously for the next season as well. Cause it's going to be a long off season. No, sure. Absolutely. I mean, we, we're already working on things. We've got the expansion plans in for 2020. I'm, I'm extremely proud of, all of the work that everybody has done in the WNFC. I mean, we have posted an entire season despite all the naysayers with no forfeits, no forfeit games. Nobody said that, you know, they were going to show up and not show up. And, and that is great for the sport. You know, I and OJ have been very outspoken on the fact that there's nothing more damaging to this sport than forfeits. Um, and we didn't have any, and we never will, and uh, it takes a lot of work, and I have to give a shout-out to all of our teams that worked to make sure that every accommodation was made. Uh, You know, some teams have a lot more money than other teams. We're not at the point where everybody has parity in that regard, and everybody stepped up to help everybody else, so we're very proud of that, and, you know, we just want to take the model that we've now proven works extremely well uh, despite all of the wild outrageous things that were said about us before the season started and it works and it's better and it's going to be better and it's going to continue to grow and we just look forward to taking the things that need to be improved and improving them and bringing more uh, bringing more women into the fold. It was great to hear Dion. I, I've had many battles against the showgirls with the Prowlers. It's great to hear Dion work in his, his uh, new uh, organization there to bring in younger girls. And, you know, those are the kind of things that we need. And we just want to take 
the things that we did well and, and keep doing them and take the things that we need to improve and go from there and, uh, you know, hopefully be 20 to 30 or so teams next year and take it up another notch. All right, Brian, thank you for making the time. I know you're out there late night in London and um, really appreciate it. Looking forward to this uh, Thursday, June 13th. Then we have Saturday, June 15th, which is the uh, the outcomes from Thursday. And then, of course, June 29th, uh, TitleCupChampionship.com is where you can get the tickets to be in Denver. It is uh, the Title Nine in Denver and details at WNFC on Facebook as well as WNFCFootball.com. So thanks for coming in, Brian. We'll keep in touch. Uh, looking forward to the championship and see how it turns out after Thursday. Yeah, you bet. We look forward to it. We'll try to get to OJ and I on one more time before the before the championship game and uh, give you all the details on the rest of the stuff coming in from our big sponsors and Adidas and Riddell who have just uh, given us the moon and we, we can't thank them enough for everything they've done. It's great to have sponsors like that that can come in with the hundred grand worth of stuff and they're just getting started. All right, Brian, thank you very much. Uh, we'll keep tabs on this weekend's exciting games and uh, looking forward to June 29th. Have a great uh, evening. Great. Thanks for the time, Oscar. Bye-bye. All right. So that was uh, WNFC CEO, Brian Sewell, and uh, obviously a success for the WNFC in this 2019 inaugural season. Looking forward to Thursday, June 13th, the Atlantic Conference clashes. Nebraska Nighthawks taking on the Atlanta Phoenix. Game two, Alabama Fire taking on the Texas Elite Spartans. And then the Pacific Conference, Seattle Majestics taking on the San Diego Surge. A very durable clash. This is the third time in the season. These, these teams really play great football defensively on both sides as well. Uh, the Bobcats up for the challenge. L.A. Bobcats taking on the Utah Falcons. So winners will be moving on to Saturday, June 15th, and then the championship is June 29th. So we're going to be talking right now to um, another individual in the No Joke Football Huddle. It's going to be Olivia Kwan, and she's going to be talking to us about a documentary similar to the Toledo uh, Troopers documentary of the 70s, and it is called The Brick House Documentary, and it's featuring the Houston uh, hurricanes. Um, so Olivia, welcome. How are you doing? Shoot. Olivia, are you there? Olivia, can, can you hear me? Let me see if I can put her back on there. Give me one second. Let me get her back on here again. Let's see if we can get her on there. All right. Olivia, can you hear me? Hello. Is this Olivia? Hello? Hi, Olivia. Can you hear me, Olivia? Hmm. Can you hear me, Olivia? So, okay. Um, uh, I don't know if this is uh, working, but I'm one of the uh, team members. Uh, I can't I can't figure out why Olivia's not on the line, but um, okay, no problem. I was expecting Olivia, so I apologize. Yeah, that's no. I was expecting her too. <laughs> well, we can talk. Uh, what was your name? And we can just kind of present yourself as yeah. well. Sure. 
Um, my name is Basha Hashlakevich, and um, I played defense on the Houston Hurricanes in the late 70s for three years. All right. Um, All right. I think we have Olivia on now. So let me see if she's there. Olivia? Hello? Hi, yes, Olivia. I'm here. Awesome. Hi. Glad to have both of you, you on. So uh, let's yeah. have um, let's introduce the panel here, both of you. Uh, let's start with our former player here. Yes, yeah, so this is Basha Hashlakevich. Is it is it Sasha? Basha with a B. Oh, oh Basha, B A S T C H A A. B A S I A. Oh, I A. Okay. All right. Um, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your story then. Uh, well, I started so, to uh, tell tell you that. Um, do you want Olivia to, to start? I think that's probably best. Yeah. That's so, fine. No um, problem. I'm Olivia. Um, I have been working on this documentary about the Houston Hurricanes, who played in the late 70s, mid to late 70s. And uh, Basha was one of the players and also happens to be my mother. Oh, wow. That's pretty unique. Um, well, you guys have heard of the Toledo Troopers, right? The the, the Ohio team yes. of the '70s championship squad yes. and everything else, right? So yeah, um, they were they were the, the big shots of the league. <laughs> yeah. So tell us a little bit, uh, Basha. Tell us a little bit about your experience uh, in that era about trying to, you know, obviously play women's football. Um. <laughs> I think we uh, all collectively were real upstarts, and and we we were pretty fearless, and we were determined to play football no, no matter what. And uh, it was just a sport that we all uh, really really loved, and uh, it didn't matter what people were thinking or saying or anything. We were going to play, and um, you know it uh, was. Um, a bit rustic, shall we say? We we traveled um, all night long to our various destinations in Oklahoma, you know, by by bus. Um, got there, uh, slept it off, and went to play the game in the evening, and then got on the bus in the morning and hauled it back on to Houston. Um, and all of us were working, of course, because you know we were theoretically called professional, but like. All women's professionals, of course, <laughs> we were uh, not paid at, you know, at best. We actually had to buy our own equipment. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, nonetheless, the, the uh, moniker of being a professional football team was really the, the best way to get, you know, attention. Sure. Uh, but... Um, yeah, you know, uh, the 70s uh, were a very um, uh, exploratory uh, time for for people uh, of, of, of all genders, uh, races, and we were just learning so much about each other. Uh, um, for instance, I was um, I just came to Houston from uh, from Chicago. I grew up in Chicago, went to school in Kansas, and. Um, so I didn't know very much about the South, and uh, being on being on the football team, you know, really allowed me to, you know, to uh, get to know Southerners, and and um, I've I, I love it, and I've um, established myself in Houston. Um, 
Uh, and, um, yeah, well, <laughs> uh, a wonderful experience, a wonderful experience about learning about cultures, different people, uh, different styles, you know, different uh, uh, economic uh, situations, uh, really just such an, an immense diversity of people. How was the learning curve for football at that, at that time? Did you have actually coaches that were really teaching you, or you guys are teaching yourselves? Or I know back in that oh, era, no, we, we you had, had yeah, you know, we had, you had certain yeah, coaches. we had coaches, yeah, and and they were they had been college coaches, you know, or, or players, um, and and they were they were guys, but uh, um, you know, some some blended with women playing, and some didn't. Um, uh, we were definitely different from from guys. Uh, we just didn't. Um, some coaches who were accustomed to um, coaching uh, boys or, or young men would would come onto the field, you know, thinking that we'd respond the same way. So they they came across a lot of braccadocio and <laughs> yelling, screaming, and we're like looking at them, it's like uh, <laughs> that's not going to work. <laughs> so. That the ones that uh, you know had a, you know, a, a adapted a different attitude were were certainly our better coaches and and we were uh, more conducive to listening to them. Um, no right. But yeah, we, they were they were great people, uh, and they they really also uh, you know, sacrificed quite a bit. I mean, on top of being our coaches, they had other responsibilities leading, you know, to, to, uh, all their other duties outside of just being on the field with us. So, um, so they were very devoted. Was this more of a travel team, uh, or was this a formal league play? I'm sorry, what? No, I said, is it, was this the team more of a travel team or was it morally, uh, more of a formal league play? Was there an actual formal league? that you guys played in or oh, was just yeah. a matter of just traveling? Oh, no, no, no. This was a, a league. Um, I forget what our division was called, but we had um, teams in um, Lawton, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, Tulsa, uh, Houston, Dallas, and and San Antonio. Um, okay. So, yeah, we, we traveled quite a bit. <laughs> Um, it was actually, uh, let me jump in a second. It was actually the same league that the Toledo Troopers played in, the NWFL. It was just a different division. Right, yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. So it was a southern, like a southern swing division? Yeah. Yeah, it, so it, there were three divisions in the NWFL, the southern division, the eastern division, which is where the Toledo Troopers played, and then there was a western division that was mostly in Los Angeles, uh, San Diego area. Now the the documentary starts in what era? Is it the uh, early '80s, late '70s? Where where are we projects? I know that Toledo's was early '70s, right to mid '70s. Yeah. So the NWFL formed in uh, 1974, and the Houston Hurricanes formed in 1975. So it all starts right around the mid '70s, and um, the league overall uh, sustained itself for about five years. And then uh, one by one, the teams sort of ran out of funding and sort of started to peter off in the early 80s. Um, so it's, it's, it's mostly centered around the mid to late 70s. 
Now, the, the roster, uh, Rossi, uh, was the roster so, uh, you know, 25, 30? Was it very limited, 12 to 25? What was the roster yeah, like our, in, in terms of Yeah, our roster was pretty good. I, yeah, our roster was pretty good. Um, I joined in 77, and, and even at that time we had something, I, I think we had at least 25 people playing plus trainers and all that. And and sometimes, you know, we would we would have to double up um um uh, offense or defense, but, but really that was pretty rare and, and then by seventy eight and seventy nine our rosters were over thirty people, so it was pretty comfortable. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh participation. Yeah. Um the yeah. challenges that you see today, I know you probably see the game. The challenges you saw then you, we pretty much have the same challenges now, and that's a, a long time from when you were playing. And so, I mean, we've made a lot of strides, obviously, with certain things, but we're still in the same play, uh, pay-to-play mentality. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't know how to, how to change that. You know, when you have so many uh, competitive um, uh, venues and sports, you know, screaming for, <laughs> for, for attention. Uh, you know, you're going to continue playing for the love of the sport. Um, I don't know how to solve that. I I really don't know. I think it's, you know, it's really promising, though. Just in this last couple of years, there is just so much more um, uh, attention or exposure or or, or just it's becoming, you know, more uh, visible. Women's sports are more visible. I mean, you look at the World Cup right now. It's on a major channel. At least it is in Houston. You can flip it on any time, and you know, there they are, women playing soccer. And you know, that's that's fantastic. Um, uh, and and there are we 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 get more sports. Of, strangely enough, um, our our um, Hispanic uh, channels uh, show a lot of women's sports. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I, I don't know how to help the help the advancement, you know, of of, um, of making this more more uh, prevalent, you know, more profitable. Well, I think that you sort of said it without saying it is that increasing visibility will then create more interest, and then you know it'll recycle itself into a into a pattern where everyone will want to watch women's sports. So, yeah, um, that's, no, but that's what now, we're going to do with this documentary. Yeah, I think the drawback a lot of it is is the value, and some major colleges you would think would be supporting that, right? Like they support as Coach Lee we had here earlier in the hour. As he said, you know, we got we got baseball, we have baseball and softball, right? We got basketball for men and men and women, and it just all of a sudden we don't have women playing football. We have men and and boys playing football, but we've never had women playing football. Every other sport has it, right? Tennis men, tennis girls, but we never get to that level where football is a women uh, girls participating sport. So, uh, I mean, we've made some strides, I think, in the last ten years. Uh, with flag football being more uh, prominent in a lot of high schools now uh, in terms nationwide. So that's a start there in terms of introducing the sport that way with the flag set mentality. Um, Olivia, why the documentary? Did you sit down and like, okay, I got to just, I got to document this. This is as important as maybe the Toledo Troopers or just a a part of history. 
Right. I mean, yeah. So, you know, growing up, I would hear stories from my mom about uh, the time when she played football and, you know, didn't really think too much of it. It just sort of assumed that everyone's mom played football as a kid. And then when I grew <laughs> yeah. up, I realized that not everybody's mom played football. Um, so I guess, yeah, I always had it in the back of my mind that, you know, somebody should probably make a documentary about this because, you know, whenever I, I, say that I'm making a documentary about women's football, the first question is, oh, do you mean soccer? And then the second question is, oh, was it full tackle? And then, you know, the questions go on from there. So there's just a lot of disbelief surrounding the the fact that this existed and still exists today even. So uh, I guess that's that's what got me interested in making documentary about it is just to uh, show the world that this is something that women do want to do that this is not a case of like oh girls just simply don't want to play though women do want to play football and they have been wanting to play for over 40 years now yeah and it's great that you're bringing it up because it really honors your mom and the legacy of the pioneers of the, of this sport and if you go back to the you know the early 50s to the 60s and obviously the the highlight which is the Toledo of the 70s and late 70s it really is the era where everything really began because, you know, they paved the way for where we're at now. And even though we're still at a pay-to-play mentality, I mean, we owe all that effort and, and commitment to them in terms of creating a legacy for the next generation, hopefully, that we spring out of the, you know, flag football tournaments or, or high schools and things like that. So, it's, so it's you know, it's a great thing that you are obviously spotlighting your mom in general, but also the you know, the struggles that happened during that time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it's just, if anything, just to point out, yes, you can, yes, this can be done. And if you want to do it, then you can go do it. And that's something I learned from my mom. Of course. Um, the title is it is, how is the, how did a title come about? Like the title to the documentary, did, was that brainstormed? or? Yeah. Just, well, the, uh, the the theme song for the Houston Hurricanes was Brick House by the Commodores, so it's, uh, oh, okay. you know, directly taken from that. But it, to me, it's also a metaphor about the team as a unit and how they formed a camaraderie together uh, that could not be uh, broken, so thus forming a brick house amongst themselves. Now, um, let's ask your mom a question here. Did everybody assume you were crazy? Because there's a lot of people that assume you're crazy. You want to go put on pads and football and, and, you know, play football and stuff. In that era, I meant, a lot of people probably went, what, girls playing football? Did anybody ever come across that you're crazy? You can't do that. So other than my own mom? <laughs> 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 um, and she probably thought you were really crazy. <laughs> yeah, she was uh, appalled. Um, my dad was thrilled. <laughs> he thought it was the greatest thing. Uh, you know, it was a mixed bag. Um, sure, people were surprised. I, I'm not going to say that they thought I was nuts. I mean, people that knew me already knew I was nuts, so you know, add another component to it, no problem. Um, but... Uh, Again, you know, you look at the 70s, it was, it was such a um, such a unique time in terms of just exploration of of people, what you know, people want to do, you know, individual 
uh, you know, desires, uh, passions. Um, it, it, I think it was just very indicative of that era. To challenge and, um, the status, you need to just go do something that's never done before or be involved into something that, you know, would probably yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah, things that are unique, challenging, you know, the, uh, fulfilling. Um, yeah, I, do, I don't know. I think if somebody asked me that the same question today and was expecting me to say, oh, it's so hard, you know, people were in my way. No, it wasn't. Um, they they thought it was strange, sure, but um, again, you know, we were all out there looking for our our own voices, our our own uh, desires, and and uh, expression. Uh, so, well, <laughs> that's it. Let's go into it. Let's go into a personal state here. Um, did you play football while you were single and not a family person, not a mom or a spouse or anything like that? Or was it after you yeah. had family and things like that? No, this was before. Um, I actually started playing football in college, but it was you know, it was ragtag. It was flag football. Um, mm-hmm. And then I, I, really, I, I really fell in love with the game. Uh, during that time and really was disappointed, you know, I wouldn't be able to play again, uh, I assumed, um, after college. And uh, then I was home one night watching the news and there was Martina, uh, I'm sorry, what was her name? Um, Anita Martini. uh, Anita Martini was doing a little thing on on the news about the Houston Hurricanes having a um, a session where they were they were they having tryouts and and I just you know I was amazed I was out there right away <laughs> I went out there so fast um, and and uh, so I was I was very pleased to be able to play but the transition from flag football to um, full full tackle was was pretty significant. Um, you know, flag is, is rough uh, and fast, but um, uh, but uh, full tackle is, is is a big shock. <laughs> at first, it it did uh, definitely take um, several games. Yeah, when they when they rattle your cage the first time, that's what people say. When they when you get rattled the first time, you change your attitude real quick. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. It, it, that's exactly right. Uh, uh, and and rattled is is yeah. You're, <laughs> you you stand there and you go, what just happened? <laughs> and then yeah. you, you realize you have to get the heck out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, well, if you're a linebacker, you obviously you have a suicide mentality to kill something. So you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's different crazy. That's a lot of linebackers have. <laughs> um, what happened after uh, – did you just – when you got family and everything else, your daughter came along, your family came along. Was that something that you just, you know, obviously things change and all that, but was the era of the hurricanes uh, during your single uh, status in your life? Yeah. Uh, the, um, the league folded. Um, mm-hmm. um, and I, and, and, you know, that was, that was really it. Um, 
I'm sure I probably could not have played much longer. My career was very demanding, and all that travel and all that time devoted to uh, the, you know, to uh, to to the game would have just not blended well with with my career. Um, and uh, either whether the you know league uh, closed or folded, it was almost irrelevant. I really wouldn't have been able to continue playing for career reasons. Um, right. Well, I got married quite a bit later. Um, okay. Uh, so uh, that was that was past. <laughs> that was in the past. Sure, sure. <laughs> Do you have teammates that are currently on the team right now that are still alive, or is it just a handful of you guys left from, like, maybe the, the roster that, that it was for that short period of time? Uh, I'll let Olivia answer that. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, well, we've, uh, yeah, we uh, weren't in touch with anybody when we first started this endeavor, and it was like becoming private detectives ourselves, trying to find everybody. And to this point, we've we've found about 20 people, and uh, I would say 15 of them are willing participants in this documentary. Um, wow. But there are a few uh, major players who have sadly uh, passed away. Um, but uh, we, we've, we've got enough to play a game if we wanted to right now. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. As I my grandmother would say, maybe on wheelchairs at this point. <laughs> <laughs> not not quite there. They're in their 60s yeah. now for the most part. So yeah. yeah, yeah. They can still throw a flag, right? Or football. They can still work it. Absolutely. Yay for grandmas. Right? That's what they say all the time. Yay for grandma. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sixty sixty six is the new forty. That's right. Yes it is. As long as you think you're young, that's all that matters. It's the mirror yeah. doesn't matter. As long as you think you're young, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So Olivia, um how is it uh, are you admired at by this story when you were told about it and then you start a documentary and uh, do you see your mom in a different light? now that you're older versus when you were younger? Um, well, yeah, for sure. When I got older, I understood the context of the world uh, and realized that this was not a commonplace thing. And mm-hmm. for the most part, uh, I, I would say maybe half a percent of people that I talk to has actually heard about this. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, to me as a child, this was something very normal to me. And, you know, as an adult, it's spectacular so oh yeah of course i mean and to just uh be a part of history you know what i mean a pioneer for a, a sport we all read up you know about the 30s and 40s when you read up other sports and how things came about and certain battles mm-hmm. and then we got title nine that came about right and everything else and we're still in that situation yeah. where you know in terms of sports participation as to your point before a lot of a lot of uh, school districts to uh, Coach Lee's uh, mentality, a lot of school districts don't feel like girls want to play football, but in reality, there is a big urge and want to play football. Yeah. Well, this is a story that I've heard over and over again as I've been going down this road, is that somebody who's my age will come up to me and say, I'm so happy you're making this film. 
I uh, played football with the boys when I was a kid, and then at a certain point, the boys got bigger and stronger, and I couldn't play anymore. And I, I had wished and wished and wished there was a girls' team for me to play on, but there wasn't, so I had to give it up, and I was devastated. And this is, this is not – like, I've had at least 10 people come up to me with this story um, in the past couple of months. So it's, it's – it's, the desire is there. It's, it's the it's, – it's perceived uh, by – our, I don't know, societal impressions that uh, that women don't want to do it, but they do. Yeah, and I a lot of the a lot of the barriers that we face are basically some of it has to do with the fact that uh, an opportunity is not there. You know, to assume mm-hmm. that it's not what they want to do. You, you have girls soccer, yeah, right? We have girls. We have girls rugby. We got girls lacrosse. Uh, as to coach's point before. We got every other sport that Title IX has afforded, you know, a boy or girl uh, sports participation. But football just seems to be like this, you know, thing that it doesn't get supported for whatever reason, even at the college level. You know, you would think college football, right? You would think at some point mm-hmm. the colleges would benefit from putting up a, a college football team of women. But that's the one sport that blows my mind. I've been covering this sport for like 10 years. And the only thing that blows my mind is the fact that this is the birth of American football, and we do not have, you know, women American football players playing in college. How does that happen? Yeah. You know, we have basketball, we have lacrosse, we have softball, we have all these other sports, right? And all of a sudden, we don't have college football for women playing American football. We have no high school feeder system for that either. So it's kind of like, I don't know why, you know, you would think this is America's sport in in a way, and we, we have this void. Yeah. And it you know, it holds back the progression of women's football as well because, you know, it provides less opportunity for women to get experience, to practice and to play right. against other people. You know, it's just it limits everything. Yeah, it's like competition, you know, you can't get better without competition. That's what I've been told before, you know, and, and so you need that competition to get better, to excel and to, to do things. Um let's talk to your mom here. Did you have any sense when, when everything closed down for you and the league folded and uh, at this point is, you know, do you have like a scrapbook or did you make something of a memento or did you keep stuff in a box or is there anything that oh, you yeah. probably kept for yourself? <laughs> Olivia's using a lot of it. <laughs> awesome. I, I'm very fortunate to have, have uh, had a camera in hand. I broke my foot one of the um, – one season, and I sat out quite a bit and during that, and I still kept going to the games, um, but uh, but that was when I was, uh, you know, uh, shooting, uh, and I was, I was taking pictures, and um, and I kept kept doing that, um, even though I came, went back to playing, and then, you know, whoever, whoever was standing around took my camera and kept shooting, too, so we do have stills. Um, and you know you've probably seen them on the on the Facebook page, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and um, we we have um, old programs. Uh, I, yeah, I kept kept things um, for my daughters <laughs> to prove it that it happened. <laughs> um, How many daughters do we have? Yes. Oh, uh, uh, two. Um, Olivia and two Ellen. of them. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So I mean that that's like mementos, and that's so precious you know to have that because it's really a a a period of time that is uh to me it's just like 
you know, when you go back to every sport, there's a beginning and there's a legacy and there's a part of it that everybody contributed to what it is today. And, and unfortunately, you know, today it, it is a growing sport um, internationally. I mean, there's more women playing women's tackle football everywhere internationally in every continent now, mm-hmm. even Morocco mm-hmm. and a small island in Guam out in the Pacific Ocean as well. So there is interest, of course. Yeah. Yeah, so so yeah, you know, from my standpoint, I I have to take an attitude adjustment because I've never thought of myself in that light. <laughs> I you know, it's just I was just out there playing football because I liked it, and this whole process and talking to people like yourself is is uh, it's just different. I I just never have put it in that perspective. So. Yeah, and we we <laughs> we appreciate you uh, doing your part and participating and playing no different than the Toledo squad, you know, that did their part as well. And, but, you know, it's, it's a great uh, moment in time that we have, that we capture Um, your daughter here has taken the responsibility to capture that. And for us fans that love the sport, I mean, we, we look back at it and we still have reflections, right? Because it is a, a situation where women weren't allowed to play. And now we're in a situation where a lot more women are playing, but we still have the pay to play mentality. So that's kind of not changed in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It'll, it'll hopefully change as time goes on. I mean, the more effort we put into things like this, the more that uh, we can make progress for, for women's football across the board. Yeah. And it's uh, and like I said, there are interests everywhere. So um, does it blow your mind if I tell you right now that, there, there's women that play American football on every continent almost now. So just uh, if I just uh, bring that up like that. I certainly well, have no clue. I've actually talked to many of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I sort of went out to try and find out what women's football was like abroad and if there was just as much of a uh, discrepancy between women's and men's football um, in other mm-hmm. countries just because it, football in general is new abroad. So seeing as how women's and men's football together developed in other countries, um, seeing what that, how that compares with the development of women, women's football here in America. Um, it's been really interesting, and it's, 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 everyone has the same thing to say about football across the world, and it's that football is family. It really yep. brings the players together in a way that, you know, all team sports bring players together, but football is particularly unique in the way that it bonds uh, all the teammates into one unit, and everyone it, loves yeah, it, especially for that reason. When you play football, it's a shift mode, and it has to be in unison. There's just like you can't have mm-hmm. one individual, you know, shine. You can't have one individual break out without another two or three people contributing you know i mean there's a sacrifice there's a commitment there's a confidence there's a you know, opportunity for winning there's a desire i mean you, you use that all as one and i just when you play football i mean i play football and everybody that's played football knows that you know it takes 11 11 people to move it to shift it it takes 11 people for a common goal you know so really individually it really drives you to another level and it also uh, you're humble because now you're part of this huge uh, family and brothers, new brothers and sisters and, and relationships and everything that goes with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's really special. 
Well, I just so love Olivia, the psychology. When are the they? Game, so. When is it coming out? And uh, how can people help you uh, fund it? I know you probably need funding help, right? Yes, uh, we are finishing up our crowdfunding campaign tomorrow, um, which okay. you can find on Indiegogo if you search for Brick House, a documentary. Um, but we are still looking for larger investors. Uh, we have enough money to go out and shoot the documentary, which is what we'll be doing in a couple weeks here. Um, I'm actually already in Texas getting ready to do that. Um, but, uh, but yes, we, we would still need further funding for uh, editing, for music, for uh, recreations. And uh, that's we're we're still looking for that. So if there's anyone out there who would be interested in promoting women's football, we are we're trying to do that in every way possible. All right. Um, so the uh, website for the funding is what's what's the link? Uh, if you can send it to me on message or on email, that way I can try to spread it out on our <laughs> on our platforms, and then that way we can try to get the word out, maybe a biweekly or weekly, just to to make everybody yeah. aware of what's going on with it. Um, is there a promo Absolutely. that you're going to set up? Is, is there a promo you're going to set up? I know a lot of documentaries set up, up like a teaser promo. Is there a promo being set up once you get that set up in place? Yeah, I mean we have a we have a little teaser up on our Indiegogo page right now. Okay. Um, but we are once we shoot these interviews that we're shooting in a couple of weeks here, uh, we're going mm-hmm. to have a massive amount of footage on our hands, and we're going to cut a new one together that'll be. Uh, much, uh, much more complex and much more uh, uh, specific to this subject matter. So, so look out for that in the coming month or so. And uh, yeah. So Olivia, I would welcome you back once you get some finalization and everything's kind of set to roll out. We'd really appreciate if you come back and kind of, you know, before the rollout. That way we can. Uh, bring our audience the attention of where it's going to be at and then participation and will it be on YouTube Vimeo or how are we going to launch this in terms of platforms or is it a different platform? Um, well, the finished film will probably go to film festivals first and then we're hoping that it will end up on a platform such as Netflix or Hulu or Amazon prime and then everyone all over the world can see it. Okay, perfect. And your time frame at this point, are we looking at about 12 months out, 18 months? What's your time frame? I think twelve months. Twelve months is a fair bet. Um, yeah. I think we're we're hoping to have the film finished by the end of this year, and then we'll it will have to do the rounds in the festival circuit sure. and eventually reach distribution. So yeah, I think a year is a good bet. Okay. So uh, we'll try to keep in touch with us, and then that way we can continue to promote it and bring awareness to it and people that. So uh, to your mom here, uh, thank you for all you've done for the sport. Uh, working your butt off in that era and participating and uh, giving you know, the opportunity that all the girls and women have today. And uh, it's it spotlight on the sport that yeah. obviously is still limited. Um, but we really thank you for all your efforts and for all the girls and ladies that played obviously in the Houston hurricane. Yes. Thank you for the uh, interview. And it was my pleasure to, to be that groundbreaker. Thank you very much for that. I really appreciate it. Uh, Olivia, I really yeah. keep in touch with me uh, via email. I'm uh, looking forward to a successful documentary and uh, excited to see how it'll turn out and how it'll be received by everybody and uh, so that we can spread it out to our group boards uh, that support Women's American Football as well and our, our pages and stuff like that. 
Yeah, thank you so much. It really means a lot to us. So thank you for having us, and thank you for helping us make this film. Not a problem. We look, look forward to uh, the end results, and then uh, obviously it's success because it's going to be something of a, a unique story for everybody. Toledo, the Toledo Troopers documentary was really emotional as well, and so I'm assuming this one will be impactful also. Yeah, I, I don't doubt that at all. It's, it would be really hard for it to fall flat. All right. Olivia, thank you very much. Uh, and uh, Ms. Kwana as well. And uh, we'll see you guys uh, in a little bit down the road. And in terms of promoting it, if you guys need any help with it, let me know. Just like I said, email me the link and then we'll try to get that out as, as we can. Um, and then hopefully we get some somebody to buy in and uh, participate and give you some funding as well to keep it going. Yeah, thank you so much. That's, that would be really awesome. All right. Appreciate your time, ladies. Thank you very much. And we'll look, We'll be in contact, and hopefully we'll set up another time when uh, everything's about to roll out and an exciting introduction to it. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, have a great okay. evening, and thank you for having us. Thank you. You're, uh, you appreciate Bye. it. Uh, have a great uh, time, you guys. Enjoy it. Bye. Okay. All right. All right, guys, that was uh, Olivia Kwan and her mother, uh, Vashi Kwan. Um, they're both uh, doing the documentary, the Brick House documentary, the story of the Houston Hurricanes, uh, similar to the story of the Toledo Troopers in, a, in, in some ways, of course, a different story. But uh, congratulations to her for trying to spotlight her mom and all the talented women that played uh, women's American football during that era of the late 70s and early 80s. Um, so we're looking forward to the Brick House documentary as it comes out on Indiegogo. Um, I will try to send out the link on our Facebook page at the Hub, and obviously it was out the, on the group boards as well on some of the face, uh, women's tackle football group boards. So we'll look forward to that as well. Uh, the other thing that's happening, if you haven't gone anywhere, go to the Hub. Top stories at the Hub. Tuesday TD, you can see Cassandra Bills of the IWFA, uh, Austin Ravens there. Tuesday Tackle, uh, Rasha Bethencourt of the Orlando Anarchy. Uh, Tuesday Thoughts, the talented Chelsea Vincent of the St. Louis Slam. Monday Motivation by Cabriel Duran of the Orlando Anarchy uh, versus the Tampa Bay Inferno. What a touchdown run for her. And then uh, an emotional game, uh, an article on the Saskatoon Valkyries by CKOM TV uh, on their uh, coach passing away, Justin Fil uh, Filto, a defensive coach that passed away in an accident. And so there's a doc, uh, a, basically a piece there that is well worth reading. Uh, we also have amateur sports TV coverage of Manitoba Regina versus Manitoba. It was the Regina riot taking on the Manitoba fearless and catch the game there uh, courtesy of amateur sports TV. There are an article on week three LFP over in Mexico regarding the Redskins and the Potancras. And as well as we have week three action. You can watch pretty monsters top team in LFP Mexico taken on Valkyrius. The article is also on the leader post from leader post on the Regina Manitoba contest in the WWCFL. We also have an article uh, by Arch City Media from the Slam versus the, uh, the Columbus Vanguards. Anticipation this weekend, the FFX final. It is the Sharks taking on the Raiders for the FFX uh, Football Extreme Femenil in Mexico Championship. Uh, Curatuba Silverhawks will be competing against the Cold Killers uh, baseball, uh, football um, team. It's going to happen in the Aracuria Bowl. It's going to happen in Brazil. 
So the championship in Brazil is happening, the FFX final in Mexico, Sharks versus Raiders. Uh, UFAN, the UFAN championship, congratulations to uh, 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 Merceries uh, versus Angels, 21-0. And then the video there for the final, that was the Lafay final of the top league there, uh, Pan- Panteras S21 versus Panteras Negras. You can watch it all there. There's a promo as well at the hub for the WNFC playoffs coming up this weekend. Uh, we talked about that earlier with Brian Sewell. And then there's a video there of the excitement of the Sharks making it to the final. Sharks beat the Jaguars 27-13 for the FFX final. That's going to happen against the Raiders. And the biggest contest that happened and tournament that was happening overseas, BAFA Women Diamond Series, and the Northern Blizz, uh, Blizzard won 22-12 to uh, versus the Southern Blaze and coverage exclusively over uh, by doublecoverage.com, uh, the Britball, by Britball, doublecoverage.com. And then the video also, Carlstad Crusaders taking on the Oroville Black Knights week eight over uh, in the action overseas as well. The five champions, uh, D- Division Three champions, uh, Dragons Rojas, congratulations to them for the Lafay Championship. We have LFL week eight, Seattle 62 to 20 over Denver. You get to watch it this Saturday. Uh, via YouTube on the YouTube channel at Legends Football League. And then you also have the video there of week seven, uh, live now and able to watch it. 49-27, Omaha Hard. Our, our girl out there, uh, Anna Garza, just a, an amazing performance, MVP for Omaha Hard. 49-25 against Nashville Knights. Really, really awesome game. You get to watch it toe-to-toe until the end, 49-25. And looking forward to Atlanta versus Chicago this weekend in Legends uh, Week 9, and then the video of the Yucatan Bowl that happened in Yucatan, Mexico, 2019, courtesy of Zone Amateur out there. So a lot of stuff at the hub, and on top of all that, Week 6, Lexfa, uh, exciting moments happening there. Go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridironbeauties, and check it out. Get the latest every week, and stay in the know. Share our post, comment, and uh, like our stuff. So it'll be great. Um, you can also go to the Nojo Football Shop, support the podcast, as well as everything that we do. It's the uh, zazzle.com forward slash great beauties at the Nojo Football Shop, 25% off, and you can get a great deal up to tomorrow. So use the codes up there and get the great deal. The LA, uh, WLFA, the new league, is uh, premiering scouting combines and jamboree August 10th uh, from Las Vegas. You can get details at WFLAfootball.com. We will try to get our CEO here probably in the next couple of weeks to come on and talk about that league and what it's done and what it's going to do and what the future holds for it. And then the WWCFL action also happening, and it's going to be the uh, 22nd, 23rd. So they're taking off this week. It'll be the cross-conference semifinals. We'll get previews for you at the hub. Uh, the last uh, June 8th and 9th, the conference quarterfinals, Lethbridge moves on, defeating Calgary, and then it was uh, Edmonton defeating Grand uh, Northern Anarchy, Grand Prairie Northern Anarchy, Saskatoon taking on care of Winnipeg, and Regina taking on Manitoba. Now we're going to get the cross-conference semifinals, so we'll get those details for you as soon as it comes up. June 29th, as well, uh, the WWCFL Championship in Regina will take place, so we're looking forward to that as well. So a lot of action that happened overseas. Everything at the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridironbeauties. So for um, 
a lot of things that happened today. Uh, three great guests. Coach Lee doing his thing with GirlsFootballAssociation.org. You can go to Premier7Football.com. You can take care of and see what he's all about. He's uh, making ends road there in Nevada with the high school and trying to get it nationwide as well, creating a feeder system for girls to play flag football and eventually move on to uh, an interest in tackle football. We also had Brian Sewell, who came in, obviously, uh, overseas in London, making some time for us. Really appreciate that. And talking about the WNFC playoffs, it's going to happen this Thursday, June 13th, and exciting hype matchups coming up this, this week um, for the WNFC. So we'll get the, the promo at the hub at facebook.com. And then all, all American list for the WFA, go to wfaprofootball.com and see if one of your favorite players is on the list, as well as the All-Stars were announced uh, via the Facebook page on WNFC on Facebook. And then uh, thanks to Olivia Kwan and her mom coming in here, Bashi Kwan, for the Brick House documentary, giving us an overview of what it's going to be once it gets finalized and the journey to get here and why we need a spot like that. So it's going to be a great um, uh, piece. Hopefully, we uh, in a year's time here, 12 months now, um, we'll get the link out to the Indiegogo uh, crowdfunding link. So if you guys want to uh, contribute a couple of dollars to that, that would, they would be greatly appreciated that you do that. Uh, we didn't have our panel today. Uh, they will be back. Troy Wilson uh, is kind of occupied right now. Uh, Holly Custis will be playing this weekend in the playoffs on Thursday, Seattle versus the San Diego Search in the WNFC. McKenzie's probably recovering from bruises and everything else that happened during the season. And then um, Luis Bean getting ready for also Thursday, uh, Utah versus the LA Bobcats. So a great time today, two hours jam packed. Uh, really, really appreciate everybody going to uh, Apple Podcasts, giving us a rating there. We've got about, about five rating right now. Really appreciate it. Give us some feedback. We're also on TuneIn, Google Cast, Player FM. And now we're on iHeartRadio. I really appreciate everybody uh, downloading and listening to our podcast, sharing it, and uh, giving us the audience that we need. Uh, thank you to everybody over in Australia, Mexico, Canada, and Europe for listening to us. Penetration in those countries up to 2%. Uh, we still have 80, 80, close to 80, 80% uh, or 80% of our audience is in the United States, uh, which I'm really grateful for. But at the same time, we have made uh, strides to reach out and get this podcast to bring more awareness to the sport in terms of awareness of, over the airwaves. So uh, thank you for everybody in Australia and Mexico and Canada and every other place in between in Europe for listening to us. Really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for your support. And don't forget, go to the hub at facebook.com for slash Grand Beauties. You can go to Instagram at Great Iron Beauties as well. You can check us out on Twitter daily at Great R and Beauty, and pretty much you can find us anywhere on social medias. Just search at your favorite search engine, Yahoo, Google, whatever. Just put in Great R and Beauty so you can find us there. So um, great show today, three great guests, and we're going to be waiting anticipation this weekend for the WFA playoffs, the WNFC playoffs, and we'll keep tabs on everything that's happening in between that and on other leagues overseas. So uh, game happening this weekend just awesome you have uh june 15th the arlington impact taking on the kansas city titans the uh portland shockwave taking on the cali war you have minnesota vixen taking on st louis slam houston energy against the mall high blaze new york wolves taking on the pittsburgh passion 
Colorado Comets will take on the Detroit Dark Angels. Mississippi, the Battle of Mississippi, the Panthers against the Royalty. Sin City Trojans against the Nevada Storm. Maine Mayhem versus Columbus Vanguards. Orlando um, Anarchy trying to defend their title here once again against the Derby City Dynamite. And then uh, next week, the 29th, will be the clash of the rivalry, the best rivalry in women's football, D.C. versus Boston, the Divas against the Renegades. And the WNFC, it is uh, this Thursday, June 13th, Atlantic Conference Battle, Nebraska Nighthawks taking on the Atlanta Phoenix, the Alabama Fire against the Texas Elite Spartans, Pacific Conference, Seattle Majestics against the San Diego Surge, the L.A. Bobcats versus the Utah Falcons. And then Title IX Cup will be June 29th for in Denver as well. So for Oscar Lopez, for everybody that came in today, I really appreciate it. And for our absent panel, we'll be here for 278 next week as the WFA and WNSC playoffs results will come in. And we are going to be one week closer to Denver and both venues, WNFC, WFA, collide in Denver for the WFA National Championship and the WNFC Title IX Cup. So thanks, for everybody. We'll see you here next week on the Great Iron Blitz right here on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Block Talk Radio. Have a great night, everybody.